Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. How are you? It's uh, Friday night. We're a little early tonight, 8.30 on the East Coast, 5.30 on the West Coast. We are with Aaron Chaney from Warmoth Guitar Products and Guitars. How are you? How you Very doing, good. Aaron? Thanks. Very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. What's going on with you, Dave? Uh... I don't know. Just surviving. Uh, just surviving. <laughs> <laughs> another you day. Know. Another day in paradise. Yeah, well, yeah. Coast, it's probably a little less paradise with all the stuff are going with on. But Aaron yeah. Chaney from Warmoth, yeah. crazy guitar yeah, we products and guitars. How are you? COVID nineteen coronavirus. Very good. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. What's um, going on? Yeah, you got to. Have you been watching the news? Is that what it is? Like just non-stop news oh it's a, it's the worst for me it's it's like uh you know like at work here in order to check my yahoo uh email i i go actually to the yahoo site and then you get all your news stories on the first page of yahoo right and then you start reading them and you start reading them and you're just like oh god i gotta stop this i gotta stop reading this yes <laughs> it gets to you after a while you're just like holy shit <laughs> so, you know i work from home so Sometimes I, uh, you know, I'll just have the news on in the background. And then after like an hour or two, I'm like, oh, my God, like, what am I doing? Like, I got to turn this crap off. It's just like it's just this re repetition of the same loop of the same crap. that I'm just like, I I I'm getting brainwashed. So, yeah, right. Before you, know what's, before you know what's happened, you wake up in the store buying toilet paper. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, paying $10 for a bottle of Purell. Yeah, yeah, which is insane. But hopefully, everybody out there who's watching the show is healthy and uh, going to enjoy the weekend and enjoy the show with us. Um, I've been a big fan of Warmoth products for you know a really long time, actually, and wanted to um, do a few builds, which I did eventually uh, get some necks and some. I, I did a, a cool Bumblebee build working with Spike. Who he, he was, you know, he was cool. Just, you know, I got the, the yellow body and, you know, and, and then I did the rest. But I got the neck and everything. But, yeah, you guys do great work. And, uh, I you know, I really want wanted to have you on the show because I was interested in um, the history of Warmoth. And, of course, you know, and, of course, your role and, uh, you know, how you got involved. So if you could, Aaron, like, what is your role with, with Warmoth? And tell us about, you know, how you got involved with them. Well... Uh, I worked actually, I mean, I've been doing music since I was a kid, but uh, my day job was in a, a different industry, and about eight years ago, that dried up, and so I, I went looking, and of course, in the Pacific Northwest, my first thought was to, to look at Warmoth, and, and um, I, honestly, I don't know how I ended up doing what I'm doing, uh, <laughs> just can 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 uh, I'm not really sure what made him put me where he did, but I, I ended up in the web department, and then that just kind of grew into kind of more of a marketing role, and then and now at this point I'm I basically do all the marketing there, the print ads, the social media, the YouTube channel, um, just all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is great. I mean. 
you you guys like what cut what was the impetus of uh the videos and doing like the comparison videos of you know different woods and was that driven by customers or was it your you know like you guys were like you know let's do this kind of stuff to tell what yeah it was it was really just kind of a, ser a scenario where we kind of tripped backwards into it about you know, like a year after I started, we, we started doing stuff with just a little iPhone and posting it on YouTube. And from there on out, it was just kind of on the job training. We just tried different things and uh, went through a couple of different cameras and whatever. And when we saw that it was generating conversation and bringing people to our website and stuff, the execs at Warmoth decided to put more money into it. And so we made up the we built the room that you see now that has the fancy backdrop and stuff. And now it's um, just something we try and do once a month. Just get a video out there and get people talking about all the things we offer. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a definite learning curve. If you look back at some of the earliest ones that we did, they look pretty bad compared to the stuff we're doing now. Yeah, I think if you do that with our show, it's probably the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> no, it's ours still looks bad. Yeah, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. We haven't really improved much. I still don't have a light, proper light. <laughs> Neither do I. Neither do I. I'm, I've got this ridiculous ceiling fan that's basically over me. Well, I was trying to get this room arranged for this for this show, and I kept like putting lights in different places. It made my forehead look like it was glowing, and and uh, yeah, it's it's all about the light. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. You yeah, you don't want to see what you really look like. I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want to make it look better. Right. Exactly. If I had too much light, it would be scary. Um, Sometimes it gets scary. Like if you put the uh, the like you get one of those screens where it just it's all white, and then it just makes my my face all white too. Oh so. yeah, you mean you mean like if I take my brightness like this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. There and that's just literally just taking the brightness of the screen all the way up, which is normally where I have it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's too funny. Um, so. So you've been with uh, Warmoth for how long now? Uh, I think I'm in year seven at this point. Wow. And we were saying before you guys were in Washington. so Yeah. Puyallup, Puyallup, Washington. Puyallup's one of those words that you can immediately tell whether the person you're talking to is a native or not because only natives know how to say Puyallup. Everybody else mispronounces it. Puyallup? Is that how you say it? Yeah. Puyallup. If you're not from around here, you say Puyallup. And uh, has I it... never knew how to. I just avoided pronouncing saying it together. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah, it's funny. about it's about forty five minutes or an hour south of Seattle. Oh really? Yeah. So yeah. do you go into Seattle often? You know, I I did every day for twenty five years, and then that was the other job I was telling you about. And then once that ended i avoided at all costs right. i only i only head to puyallup now i was curious you know with gigs if you did it you know you know the the bands that i'm in i do the tribute band thing i'm in a bunch of different tribute bands and so we do, mostly do casinos and stuff that are out in the suburbs 
we don't go, we don't gig in downtown very often. I gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, yeah. we got a, we got a super chat from more guitars. Let's uh, give the applause. Uh, no, <laughs> thank it's just, you. It's just me. Um, no, thank you, Aaron. Uh, killer show again, guys. I crave my tone talk fix. Dave just bought the Wildwood small box and have truly found tone Nirvana. Every channel. Oh, every channel, which I agree. Every channel. Um, oh, we got Cameron Brown in the chat. What's up, Cameron? Hey, Cameron. How are you? Um, thanks for the, the super yeah. chat there. So, um, well, that's cool. So, what's what's the weather like right now? It's pretty freaking cold, right? For you guys. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it never gets that cold here compared to other parts of the country. It's just gray and and has that kind of Seattle misty rain that just kind of gets into everything and stays for days without changing. Mm. I've never yeah. been. I have to get up there one day. I'd love to. But... You know, there's there's no more there's no place that's more beautiful when it's sunny, mm. but you have to be you have to mentally be prepared to get through the gray winters. So how many sunny days are like two? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, that's it's more than two, but there there are stretches. Like a couple of years ago, we went through a stretch in the winter where we had ninety days straight where it rained every day. Oh. That, that was a that was a <laughs> now is the location of Warmoth and and uh, is is that particular location because of like the woods and you know how you can maintain the wood? I'm just curious, or is that just where it originated? Uh. Are you talking about why why Puyallup for the location of the business? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm just curious. Curious. It's just it's just total luck. That's where that's where the Warmoths lived, and that happens to be where the the business started. Just through a through a chance meeting. So you mentioned we talked earlier uh, offline, and you mentioned Lynn Ellsworth. Yeah, well, yeah, and I know that name yeah. from the Van Halen method. You know. Uh, right. history and all that stuff that I've read over the years. Right. So, so Lynn and Wayne Charvel were friends when they were kids down in California. And then somehow Lynn ended up living in Puyallup. And because they had this connection, Lynn dabbled in furniture making. Or I, I don't, I don't know exactly. I know he built furniture out of exotic wood or something. Because he was, was friends with Wayne Charvel, Wayne prompted him to start making guitar bodies out of exotic wood. And, um, and he was doing that under the name uh, First Impressions, I think. Or, or Yeah, I think it was First Impressions. Hmm. And at, at some point in making these guitar bodies, he needed some jigs and he needed some fixtures of some kind. And there was a person in his neighborhood who... Um, just happened to be named Jim Warmoth, who was a, an iron worker and had experience building dams and building trestles and that kind of stuff. So Lynn approached him about building these fixtures he needed, which Jim Warmoth was able to do. And then uh, he was also able to do something that Lynn wasn't doing at that time, and that was build fixtures so that they could start making necks. So, so Jim was able to do that, and then also at, at about that same time, 
this was in the late 70s, uh, Jim's wife got an inheritance. So they had this this money. And so he took he had the um, basically he partnered with Lynn and he brought in a cash in, infusion and he brought in the ability to start making necks. And they they joined forces and created Boogie Bodies. That's where Boogie Bodies can, comes from. And oh, interesting. Yeah, and so um, and it was a the, you talked about the Eddie Van Halen thing. That was a Boogie Bodies body that somehow ended up down probably via Wayne Charvel or something. I don't know. Um, oh, so so I was was the history of that that he. I thought he actually went to Lynn's shop, but no, that's not how it worked out. I, I, I honestly don't know. Hmm. I know that we have, there's a magazine article that we have in our archives that, that spells it out. It might've been that Eddie came up here or the body ended up down there. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Do you know, Dave? Do you remember? I, I don't remember now. Yeah. I'm such a geek with this stuff, but I, <laughs> so well, that's cool. So yeah. So. Yeah. And I think a neck, the neck also came from a boogie body's neck, right? Uh, it may have. I, I don't know. Honestly, it's it's funny because everybody wants to be connected to that. You know, everybody, if they mm-hmm. can find some connection that they're part of that, they, they exploit it. But Ken was never, Ken Warmoth, the founder of Warmoth Guitars, was never really into that. He didn't jump on that train. So it's not talked about and hasn't been put forth much. <clears throat> so I don't know all the details. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like I said, it's just geeks like me who just want to know that stuff. <laughs> geeks but, like you and me and a million others. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, so how long ago was that that the business started? Well, that Boogie Body started, I think it was in 76. And so it was Jim Warmoth and Lynn Ellsworth. They went in together and made Boogie Bodies. And Jim's wife, Gail also worked for the company and then also Jim's Jim and Gail's son Ken Warmoth came to work and they went on for a few years and then probably I don't know 78 79 or so uh, things were tight and they, they were so tight that Jim Warmoth needed to go back to his job and Lynn needed to go back to his job so they could both make ends meet and that left Ken Warmoth by himself running Boogie Bodies, basically uh, representing Jim's interest and basically just taking care of the day-to-day operations. And it's at some point in there, and I don't know the whole details. I don't. I don't know what what it was all about. But Jim and uh, Jim and Lynn were at odds with each other. And ended up disbanding Boogie Bodies in '79 or '80. And when they did that, they basically just split the company 50-50, the assets, the equipment, all that stuff, and went their separate ways. And then that's when Ken Warmoth said, well, I've been I've been here doing this by myself for a couple years now anyway, and I've got all this equipment, all this experience. I'll just start Warmoth guitars. Hmm. And so Boogie Bodies ended in 80, in the very early part of 1980, and Warmoth guitar parts started in april of 1980 well pretty pretty soon after yeah pretty much right away yeah yeah that's cool and the yeah and the and so that's that's why it's in puyallup just 
just because of the sheer luck that that's where Lynn went to. And then Jim happened to be his neighbor and that's, that's where they started and that's where it's stayed. Right. All right. And was it always, um, the same, the same type of business, necks and bodies. And was there ever any aspirations to actually make full guitars or uh, was it always just separate pieces and curious? You know, I, in the beginning, it's, it's funny because that's where everybody, everybody kind of goes as they want, they want to know why we don't make full guitars. And I think in the beginning, uh, Ken did, I know that he made lots of really weird experimental stuff, five string guitars and like miniature guitars. He did set neck and neck through designs, all that stuff early on. But at some point, you know, he just decided the money was in the parts. And so that's where once he made that decision, that's just what Warmoth has done. That's what they've built the business on ever since. Right. Well, yeah. that, make, that makes sense. That makes sense. So we got a we got a bunch of questions actually um, from folks about, and I one one person sent me some questions and I want to make sure I get to them. Um, and you know I'm sure there are questions that you get all the time, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, it would be cool to you know let people in on like you know probably your day to day emails. That probably yeah, what, emails and social media posts and everything else uh, and yeah, all the. Yeah questions that some are not well anyway we won't get into <laughs> some yeah. you sit there going oh <laughs> well hopefully none of these will be that but um this was from russell Botelho and he said uh exotic woods why are there not more of a choice i was looking for a pale moon ebony fretboard wood well the um it has to do first of all with supply and what we can get at any any point in time it has to do with what we can what we think we can sell and um and to make it and to make it a regular offering on the website it has to be something that we have a consistent enough supply of that that we can feel comfortable that we're always going to have some and and so a lot of woods don't don't get added to the regular menu because sometimes we have them and sometimes we don't. So um, that's that's why I don't know. I'm, I think you're fairly familiar with our site. We have one side that is in stock inventory and another side that's like spec your own thing and we'll build it for you. Mm-hmm. And so in order to make that menu, it has to be something that we know that we can get all the time. If it's not something we can get all the time, then when we do get it, we'll make it up and put it in the in-stock side. And to get it there, you just have to be watching for it, basically. Yeah. You got to get lucky. Yep. Yep. We do all kinds of things in the showcase uh, with woods, with crazy options that aren't available in the custom builder. You know, there's the custom builder you have to confine to a certain set of rules. And even as it is now, there are literally trillions of combinations. It's it's nuts what you the number of different combinations you can get in the custom builder. But even with all that, you, you have to limit it. But the the in stock showcases, just like the sky's the limit, we will do all kinds of oddball stuff in there. 
And the only way is, is to watch for it. Right. Yeah. yeah I picked up a amazing like seventies kind of headstock, you know, Fender style headstock, uh, with bird's eye ma using it for, of course, uh, Van Halen 78 build. So, right. you know, but I bought a, a right-handed neck, you know, I'm a lefty. So, and to have to actually to spec out a custom that that neck custom would have been like almost twice or you know twice the price or more um, right to spec it out custom uh so i was like i saw it in righty i'm like oh that's perfect i'm like i'll just have a reverse headstock you know right who cares so yeah I, it's I, it's it's funny because people will they'll they'll there's there'll be a certain thing they want and they will watch for a year for it to show up in the in-stock showcase <laughs> and then email us why isn't this showing up in the in-stock showcase i've been watching for it when they could have built it and had it in six or eight weeks at any point along there but it's just there's just something about you know it's it's just like in traffic when you go the long way around just because you want to keep moving when it's really faster to to just Wait. Stay put. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. something about human nature, but yeah, we, we get that all the time. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, uh, Quentin James says, "I have a warmth on my, I have a warmth on my custom Gomer caster made by DR Guitars." That's interesting. Uh, so, do other guitar makers buy your parts and use them? Um. Yes. Yep, they the there are a lot of small guys who will who will buy parts to to do repairs or whatever. Um, we don't do OEM like we once did. In fact, we do we do very little OEM anymore, uh, just because it's it's easier to sell direct. You get paid right away. Instead of you know waiting ninety or one hundred and twenty days to get paid and right and uh, yeah so we don't do a lot of OEM anymore but there are there and you are, make more money yeah exactly yeah. yeah when you're when you're doing OEM the you know the company wants the absolute cream of the crop for rock bottom prices and then they don't want to pay you for ninety or one hundred and twenty days and so we just don't do it as much anymore. Interesting. Okay. Um, BB Made says, excellent. Where did Warmoth get the sanders for shaping the necks? I've seen them in the opening to the videos where they made in-house. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that that Jim and Ken really excelled at. You know, they're, it's kind of like Leo Fender in a way. You know, he didn't play guitar and neither did Ken, but what he was really good at was was building the fixtures and the jigs and the machinery and a lot of it that he built back in the day is still in use. Mm. Uh, there, there have been a lot of improvements, you know, with CNC technology and digital technology. So we don't use some of the gang saws and stuff that we used to, but a, a lot of that was built in house. Right. I was going to yeah. ask about CNC. Is that like a big part of production these days? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's it's impossible for it not to be, with the with the production numbers that you have to do and and you know it just it makes it, it it's so easy to make a a perfect. Well, I shouldn't say that. 
but CNC takes a lot of the um, a lot of the big heavy lifting for you, and it makes it consistent. You know? And it's perfectly consistent. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. That's probably you know because humans, because we we've all heard about how uh, you might get something built on a Thursday or something <laughs> or whatever, you know, like, and for whatever reason, it just wasn't that, that great of a day, but the CNC is always going to be, it's kind of like a Plex machine also, right? You yeah. Know, you're going to get a great, but, but like a Plex machine, it's still the person operating. It still is the one that matters. And it's, yeah. And it's easy for a lot of people. I'm sure you've heard this before. It's easy to think, you know, the guitars and guitar parts are built by CNC machines now, but, there is, if you came to our shop, there is still so much hands-on stuff done by real people. The the CNC just just does the heavy lifting, but all the fine all the fine work is done by real people. Right, I think it has to be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get a finished sanded product out of the CNC machine. No, no. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be great if they just one day you get the 3D printed like just. <laughs> that, it, it won't surprise me one day maybe a hundred years from now uh, um so uh fred fred garvin uh comment now this you know this is a criticism i guess but he's referring to pricing he says warmoth makes great bodies and necks but they do charge for it they used to be reasonably priced but no more I, you know i don't know about that but um i think everything's going up and you know it's i don't think it's crazy no i mean um i could i could talk about american built products but a lot of a lot of customers that doesn't matter to them but just just as a way to illustrate how how i feel about our prices mm -hmm. we in the beginning we were warmoth was doing the traditional retail thing where we would we would make the product, sell it to a, sell it wholesale to a retailer, and then they would sell it to the end customer. And sometime in the 90s, I think, is when we made the decision to start going direct to the customer. And at that time, customers loved it because at that time, the wholesale price for one of our, for our, for our baseline neck, you know, like Maple Maple or Maple Rosewood, it was 175 bucks. That was the wholesale price. So customers were paying, you know, whatever, 250 or 300 or whatever they were paying at that time for the next. Then when we went direct to the customer, all of a sudden customers could buy our next straight off the website for like 132 bucks. Mm -hmm. And this was this was um, man, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So it was $132 then. The price for that same neck now, 25 years later, is 157 bucks. Hmm. So well, that's uh, not not much is that's that's not a big increase at all. No, no. In 25 years, that's that's almost nothing, really. Right, right. I agree. And as the same as would would you say that's the same for regular bodies as well? I would. I don't know the prices for the bodies right off the top of my head, but I would guess that it's similar. Yeah. So when you start adding all the options, and you want an exotic piece of wood, or I, I think, or you want binding, and you want, 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I think all those things start out. Oh, yeah, out. all that stuff adds up a little bit, but yeah. I was messing around on there the other day, and I, I was just like, "Oh, that's not bad." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really a lot of the stuff we do is a bargain, especially our paint department. I mean, some of the 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 finishes that we do for what we charge is mm. is really a steal, and paint is just so expensive. It's 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 crazy, and it goes up every year. It's really it's really the CNC technology that's that's helped us keep keep our prices, you know, where they're at. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, Dave, we got a question for you from Pedro. He says, uh, Dave, please just release a one-channel Friedman version of the Plexi, even if it doesn't have a master volume. Okay, you add a little bit more gain to it if you want. Question uh, with a <laughs> smiley face. That's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna do that eventually, people. Uh, just I haven't had a chance. <clears throat> Maybe I'll never do it because I never seem to have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, no, that's that's in that's in. I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. So, watch for it. Now, Aaron, going back to the painting. Um, mm-hmm. do you guys do nitro as well, or is it all poly or just curious? It's all poly. We, we do nitro on the necks, but bodies are all poly and the, the whole nitro thing is, and, and especially the whole, um, relic thing is something we just don't, we don't do. That's, that's not our jam. Gotcha. So yeah. even like an, even a new nitro cellulose body nope if if somebody was dead set on on nitro they would have to get an unfinished body and and have it finished someplace else i see yeah interesting um we got a bunch of questions from uh reza what's up reza uh he said what's up sluts Now he's talking to you guys, or am I included in that? Uh, you, maybe. I don't know. He, I, you I, might be just included. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, how do I ensure my warmth neck pocket and neck are perfect? Well, uh, when you're buying a neck from us, our whole, our whole business model revolves around the vintage, original Fender USA neck pocket specs. Uh, the two two and three sixteenth inch spec. And, um, and there's a, there's a lot of other dimensions, depth and, and stuff. Uh, it's all on our website. And the only way to know is, is to measure what you have carefully. Go on our website and you'll see all those dimensions. And then you have to, um, look at the body you have now and, and measure it to be sure there there's, you know the fender the fender neck pocket is kind of a standard but it's not universal it's not universal even among fender products fender will stray from it at times too even within a single line like you can buy a stratocaster for example that uses that standard neck pocket except for just a couple like the lone star strat or the big apple strat don't follow it. And so our necks will work in everything except for those two models of strats. And I don't know, have any idea why Fender deviates from that occasionally, but they do. So you really just have to measure every time and make sure that 
the body that you have is working with the, you know, that is following the fender standard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Rich Johnson said, Hey, Warmoth, what a quinky dink. I pretty much dick, ditched work and designed about 50 different tellies today. That site is a bit addicting. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's the whole point. But yeah. did you order any? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, man, we have so many people that just play on those builders all the time. We know it's a big draw for the site, and we're almost ready to launch a brand new website, and the new website will include builders for the next as well. So we're hoping that'll get even more people to waste their days, to leave work early and waste their days playing <laughs> around on our site. That's cool. When's that going to launch? Well, we're hoping by the end of April, but it, it's been such a huge process. It's been four years in the making. Wow. Because, which I, I know there's a million web developers watching right now that just gasped and clutched their pearls because four years is like an eternity. But the web, the the custom builders and the stuff on our site is so crazy complicated. It's I can't even explain to you how complicated it is. All the um, all the options. Yeah, all all that conditional logic is so so tough. And we've looked all over the internet to try and find anybody that has a similar similar builder that's based on conditional logic. And it's it, there's really nothing else out there like it. Hmm. You know, it's, most builders are just kind of all a cart where you just go to each option and pick what you want. But right. ours is the, the choices that you, you get further down the list are all conditional on on choices that you've made before that or sometimes even multiple choices that you've made before that. Mm. So it's very complicated. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. A lot. A lot. And, and I'm sure once you launch it, then there's going to be monitoring of that. This, you know, add additional features and or whatever, you know, what works, what doesn't. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Reza has a question. What's the scoop with getting a large reverse fender headstock? I'm assuming he's talking about a CBS, a reverse CBS. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's available. When you go to the, you can get pretty much any headstock we offer reversed. You just collect, you just uh, select right hand reverse. When you come down to the orientation thing where you can do right or left, and you just select right hand reverse, and you'll get it backwards. Hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and I think this is the last question from Reza. How can we ensure super dark rosewood fretboards? Um, you can call in and, and uh, I think there's an extra charge if you want to request a super dark one, but you can get them. If we have them, you can get them. Uh, the, the thing about Warmoth, it's a lot like In-N-Out Burger. You know how In-N-Out Burger has a secret menu for the people who know? Well, that's that's kind of how Warmoth is. We have all the options on our builder, but uh, if you call in, there's all kinds of things that you can ask for and get that, that don't show up on the builder. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, you just opened up. <laughs> what did you just do? <laughs> call Warmoth if you, have, if you have a special request. Now, have you had people people say to you, uh, hey, I've got this amazing piece of wood. Can you build something for me? We have, and we have done it on occasion. 
Um, and we still may, but the, the problem we run into is uh, you can't always be sure of what, what kind of wood you're getting. Sometimes you'll start cutting into it and there'll be wormholes or who, who knows what's in there. And so we, we, a lot of times we don't do it, but, but we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm not sure why I asked that just popped in my head, but um, John Sims said, I wish Warmoth could make exact replicas of the 85, 87 Crema Berettas. They're my favorite super stress, but I'm guessing Gibson would eject. <laughs> Yeah, well, you and me both. I I love that '80s Kramer shape. It's it's strat like, but the the upper waist is kind of pushed mm-hmm. towards the headstock yeah, a little like bit. Here. Yeah, I just I love that shape. But yeah, no bueno. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then of course the headstock. You know. Same, that, yeah, I, same I think, deal. I think that was the uh, the banana, right? The tilt banana. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do the the banana headstock, or some of those had like the beak headstock, mm-hmm. but we don't we don't do either of those. No, but you've got one that's pretty close to the beak. It's kind of similar. Uh, I figured. Which, I think the one have, you, on your green guitar. We have the warhead. Yeah, the yeah. warhead. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar. I mean, it's not. You know, it's a different shape, obviously, but it, there's there's some you know closeness to it so yeah kind of a similar vibe yeah yeah exactly um but yeah i love those early berettas but mm-hmm. um i actually have an 86 beretta but it's more of like the soloist style not the uh you know like the soloist body right yeah so, um so cecil music says mark can you have aaron elaborate on their warmoth conversion necks this is a great option <laughs> That's funny because we just shot a video this week where I do a, a tone test shootout between a, a Gibson scale conversion neck and a standard 25 and a half inch scale neck. So basically the lowdown with both, we, we do two conversion necks. One is a baritone scale conversion neck and one is a Gibson scale conversion neck. And basically they will fit on that standard fender neck pocket and convert it to the shorter scale or the longer scale. And you don't have to do anything to the body. You don't have to do the bridge. You don't have to reposition anything. They just bolt right on. You string it up and, and you have to re-intonate the guitar, obviously. But um, that's, that's the principle behind them. And... Um, and as luck would have it, I, like I said, we just did the shootout between the, the two scales. And I also just did a video of a baritone conversion neck. And those things are so fun to play. I just, you get those big honking strings on it. And it's just this deep twang and it's very, very fun to play. So uh, the, the video for the Gibson scale conversion neck should come out next week. I think that'll be on YouTube. And then the baritone one will be a few weeks behind that but um you know the long and short of it is if you're hoping to get that neck and put it on your strat body and all of a sudden it's going to sound like a les paul and play like a les paul that's that's really not going to happen there's still too many other things that are different you know between 
different kind of bridge, the geometry of the whole guitar and how the neck tilts back on a Les Paul, the different tilt back headstock. There's just too many other things for it to sound just like a Les Paul. But but if you like that will, scale, but if you like that scale, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. Well, that's what it, it changes the feel mostly. Right. The strings are a little looser. You can bend easier and and um, you know, there's less of a reach to get down to that low F chord, mm -hmm. and and it does it does change the tone a little bit. It, it definitely thickens it up a little bit. Interesting. Huh. Which, yeah. So you've done a lot of these videos of these comparison videos, you know, of different tone, uh -huh. and obviously our show is called Tone Talk, so that's uh, right up our alley of things. Uh, what, <laughs> I what, knew I knew this moment would come. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious, what's the biggest surprise that you've had? of doing a video of like you've been, you know, when you went into it thinking there's probably not much of a difference or maybe there is a difference. I'm curious. Well, a lot of times I'm afraid to say this kind of stuff because I, I, I open myself up to, you know, the, the wrath of the internet community, but, <laughs> but you know, the, the, the internet logic right now is kind of that tone follows the neck and and that's kind of what I thought until I started doing these videos. And changing a neck will definitely change the tone for sure. But the, a big surprise to me was that when I did a shootout between identical bodies uh, that were uh, mahogany, uh, alder, and swamp ash, I thought that that changed the tone way more. I was, I was really surprised at how big of a difference changing the body would made. And I know I just half the people watching right now just picked up their pitchforks, but <laughs> oh no, I I I know that for a fact myself. I mean, absolutely, the body would makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, more way more than the neck. That's see, I thank yeah. you, thank you. Way more. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. There's something to be to the neck thing, but 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 it it's like saying. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of like the changing the body is like changing the speaker in your cabinet. Mm -hmm. uh, literally, I mean, you know, a a greenback sounds vastly different than a vintage thirty, and a vintage thirty sounds way different than a seventy-five watt Celestion, and 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 you know, there, there's huge differences, massive differences, almost yeah. more so than amps. Yeah, and and I was when I did that body test, I was really surprised. But on the video, I, 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 I said that, but I didn't really express how surprised I was because I was afraid. I was afraid. I was just afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's great. I mean, that, I think because a lot of people with electric guitars are like, well. It's just the electronics. It doesn't matter. You know, you can have a plank of wood. It doesn't matter what it is, but that's a bunch of bullshit. So, yeah, it's well, it's, you know, I mean, the pickups are probably the thing that's going to change it the most. But the pickups are picking up the vibration of the string and everything that string is attached to is going to change how that string vibrates. Uh -huh. So, so it, it, in my mind, it absolutely does matter. And and based on my experience doing all these shootouts, the body has more effect than the neck. So after that, did you have a preference for which body would was a preference for you, or you know, I'm curious? 
you know, it, I would say that my body wood preference changes depending on the guitar. If I'm if I'm doing a, a build with a trim in it, I usually want alder or basswood. If I'm doing a guitar with a fixed bridge, with a tunematic or some other kind of a flat mount bridge, I usually like mahogany the best. I'm not a huge, personally, I'm not a huge fan of Swamp Ash. It's bright. Yeah. And I think it has more variance. Like, like Alder is going to vary, but only within a certain, you know, certain range. But Swamp Ash can vary quite a bit in, in the way it sounds, in the weight, in, in all kinds of things. Right. Now, Dave, in your guitars, you've been doing different combinations of woods, right? Like some... Uh some, on some of them. Yeah, some interesting ones too, right? On some of them, on, on the set neck guitar we have, we, we did um, the Metro D, we did a uh, alder body with a maple cap, but a mahogany neck. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's, it all stemmed from a uh, just a sample guitar that was made originally, just to get the shape and everything like right on it, and they just used what the wood that was laying around, you know? Mm -hmm. and uh that's what it was and then we listened to it and we're like hey this sounds cool <laughs> that's cool why can't we offer this <laughs> that way you know why not um so we did yeah that's different yeah totally different i, I didn't even know what it would sound like it was, i was lost in my head on what that would sound like i didn't know the mahogany neck is what throws throws me a bit Right. Well, what what kind of tone would you? Was it, I mean, it's still it's it just like it was still it was still like um, a Paul like kind of tone, but with a little more cut. Hmm. There was more cutting and more solid. So alder, I find, is a very solid wood, like a really solid sounding wood. There's not like holes in the EQ spectrum in it very much. It's pretty. I want to say flat, but in a good way. That's that's not in a bad way. Uh, like Swamp Ash, I find to be really scooped sounding mm -hmm. and like kind of big on the bass and big on the ultra highs. Um, mahogany has a nice thick woody sort of thing to it. Um, so yeah, it depends on what you're going for. I mean, my, my personal, I like Alder a lot. Um, I am a fan in a few guitars though, of like old, heavy, hard ash. The old northern ash thing, because uh, mm -hmm. that's like a whole different sound. Yeah, uh, it is. It's, it's it's almost like maple in in, in respect, mm -hmm. which is uh, very, really, really like a brick wall, you know, like really yeah. smack you in the face, kind of thing, which can work out really well depending on the kind of music you're going to do with it, you know. Right. The well, kind of amplifying, the kind of pickup you put in it, a whole bunch of things. I think Eddie's original body was Northern Ash, right? Supposedly, yeah. That's what, yeah. That's what I've heard. It all, goes, like back, I, it all goes back Kramer, to Eddie. Sorry. I have an old Kramer Pacer that's sitting here on the wall, and that body's maple. Because they mostly did two bodies for Pacers, and it was maple and, or poplar. Mm. So I definitely got the maple. I had a, I had a Kramer... Pacer, I think it was an 86. I had that for years and years, and it sounded so great. I was an idiot to ever get rid of it. I, I have no idea what the body 
was. Man. Well, I can imagine, you know, because the, it's got to be real heavy, the maple one. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a reasonably reasonably heavy guitar. Yeah, it's not like exceptionally heavy, but it's it's definitely heavy. It's not poplar. Right. Poplar right. poplar is like nothing. It's right. Like, it's yeah, like right. feather. Yeah. More like basswood. And it's probably brighter but too. Sounds good though. I think poplar sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like some of the some guitars were made with like poplar and then like a a maple cap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have tons and tons of guitars with Floyds on them, and probably my favorite one with a Floyd on it is Basswood with a maple cap. Right. Yeah, that's what where we that was the main wood we chose on the guitars that we're making the uh, NoHo uh, twenty four fret guitars. We mainly did uh, Basswood with uh, maple cap. And that's a relatively light wood too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it sounds good. I mean, basically, yeah, it's it's a good, definitely a good. Is it similar to poplar? Are those two woods similar? Uh, from yeah. what I understand, it's similar. It's a, it's a soft, light, lighter wood. Yeah, and they both. I think they both kind of look similar too. They're pale. I think the reason they're not used more in guitar construction is they're kind of ugly. <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of character. So that's why putting the maple cap on it works great, or just using a solid finish. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a question from More Guitars. He says, "Aaron, in your opinion, because this is right up the topic of what we're talking about, what is your tonal op- optimum formula for guitar bodies?" For example, John Sir has said basswood with maple top for him. What's your favorite? Well, like I, I just said, uh, basswood with a maple top is my favorite Floyd right. guitar that I have. Alder, like Dave was saying, Alder is a good choice because it's just even. It's very, I guess you could say, dependable. It's, it's never going to be too crazy one way or the other. It's just neutral, maybe is a good word. Um... But man, I like mahogany. I really like mahogany too. For for guitars that have fixed bridges, mahogany is my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, it just has it just has this thickness in the low mids that that I really like. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Rick Hollis is in the chat. What's up, Rick? Um, if you guys haven't checked out the Rick Hollis channel, YouTube channel. Make sure you check it out. He does really cool uh, demos. His videos are excellent, high quality, really good stuff. And he's a good dude. Lives in Australia, by the way. Um, He says, all my strats are park casters and mostly made of Warmoth parts except my Kokotsin strat. And he's all the way over in Australia. So that's cool. Um, All over the world. Yeah, I would say I would say probably a third of our business is international. That's great. Yeah. And uh, did was that whole uh, rosewood situation like a damping dampening on the business? <laughs> oh my gosh, that was that was a nightmare to to deal with, and it, so much money spent dealing with that. Uh, this whole export process that we had to go through, oh, and to, all God. the safety, 
Yeah, we've had to put all the safeguards on the website and stuff. And when that when that all came down a couple of months ago, there was there was much rejoicing. <laughs> I can imagine. Hopefully yeah. that shit won't come pop up again. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Uh, Deja Blue says, "Can I buy a modern neck without the go to side go to side adjustment truss rod?" Uh, yes and no. The, if you get a modern construction neck, well, let me just for people who may not be familiar with this, the thing that defines a modern construction neck is it has a double truss rod in it. Instead of the traditional single truss rod, the modern has a double truss rod. And if it's a neck with a flat head stock, so for example, a Strat or a Tele uh, replacement neck, then it's going to have the Goto side adjust in the heel. But if it's a modern neck with a tilt-back headstock, like a Warmoth or a Vortex, then the truss rod adjustment is at the headstock, and it doesn't need and doesn't need the side adjuster. So, so the short answer is, if you want modern construction with no side adjust, you have to get a tilt-back headstock. If you get a modern construction neck with a flat headstock, then you're going to get the side adjust, unless you get left-handed. Because they don't make them in left-handed. That's also true. The uh, the neck that I got, that right-handed '70s Fender, you know, large headstock. It was a right-handed, and it was a modern construction, and it had it had the. Uh, but I couldn't get. I tried to get that, and if I specially made it, you couldn't couldn't do it. So yeah, um, yeah that that side adjust is a big part of our of our, I guess, identity, you could say. It's been in our modern construction necks forever. And I, I think we may be the only people in the whole world that use that. I think Goto just makes them for us now. Really? It, so people don't, do they sell them separately like to other builders or anything like that or no? Um, they would if they could, I guess. But the, uh, I don't think in, uh, there's no other manufacturer that I know of now that's that uses them. It's just us. Right. Yeah. Cause it seems like the, the big thing that's come up in recent years has been the, uh, the neck pocket adjustment with uh, the wheel. Oh, the spoke wheel. Yeah. See, that's my, that is my, one of my favorite deals. I love the spokes wheel because mainly because you don't need a special tool. You can adjust it with a paper clip if, if you had to. Um, yep. But the reason that we haven't moved to that, well, there's a, there's a couple reasons. One, because as I said before, our whole business is built around that vintage fender neck pocket spec. And the truss wheel violates that. You have to you have to change the neck pocket to do that. Mm. And Fender did it for a while on their elites Strat and Tele. They were doing that. And then when the new ones, the new, I don't know, is it ultra, the new ultras came out, mm -hmm. they abandoned it again and went back to the standard neck pocket. And so from what I can tell, it looks like they're doing all the spoke wheel stuff on the um, Charvels and all the like hot rotted, line but on the fender line they're staying with the, the standard neck pocket so the two reasons we haven't done that are one because it violates that standard neck pocket and two because 
Fender hasn't stuck with it long enough for it to become any kind of a standard on Fender guitars. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. yeah. you got to fit them to other guitars, yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, we got a su- super chat uh, from and I Ben Ben Breard. It says, Aaron, what factors contribute to Mojo? I have three epic Warmoths and two that are fine, but way less Mojo. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, uh, you know, Mojo is what everybody wants and nobody knows how to get. And the, I kind of... I kind of look at it this way. I think a lot of builders, I mean, if you stick with the tried and true recipes, you know, alder body or swamp ash body and a maple neck, then there's this bell curve where most of the guitars are going to fall in the center. You're going to have some that are absolutely phenomenal down at one end and some that aren't so great at the other end. Um, Most of the guitars are going to be right in the middle, but if and most of the time you get bad ones is because you went off the menu. You did something like a wenge neck and a, you know, black Karina body or something, and it didn't end <laughs> where you wanted. Right, right. Um, but for me, like a lot of a lot of guys, they 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 work out this equation of this guitar they want. They buy their parts, and then if it doesn't turn out right, they're they're unhappy. It doesn't have the mojo or whatever. For me, and maybe just because of where I work, I just look at them as parts. And so if, if this combo doesn't work great for me, I, I mix and match with other parts. I have parts downstairs in my basement. I have parts all over the place. And I mix and match them until I find one that's got something where I go, wow, this is a great combo here. And then I, then I stop messing with it. And that becomes a guitar now. And I put that off to the side and don't mess with it anymore. Right. So for me, the secret to Mojo is to look at them as parts and mix and match until you find the, the total that's greater than the sum of the parts and then stop. And that one has Mojo now. Yeah. It, it didn't yeah. Uh, clap, clap, Clapton did that with Blackie, right? Yeah. I think he took the best of like these uh, seven, 70s stra- or early late 60s strats or whatever and put them together yeah um i think it, it's or what, what was the strat was it we, was that an early strat the 50s strat or i forget what were they early the mm, blackie I, yeah i don't know okay sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you what were we gonna say aaron i was just gonna say that we do that all the time at, at work we're constantly mixing and matching parts because we're testing stuff out or trying something new or, or getting ready to do a video and every now and then there will be this combo that we put together and I play it and I'm just like, holy crap, this is a great guitar. There's, I think we did a video like... A and it becomes yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually, it's just the opposite. You put it together and you're like, wow, this is great. And then the next day it's taken back apart again and, and gone. You know, castles made of sand. <laughs> That's funny. Um, we've got a question from more guitars, uh, for super chat. Uh, thank you. Uh, Dave, I'm about to pull the trigger on one of your guitars. Need a Floyd two, uh, Noho or Cali, which is your favorite Mark? Do you own either? Which do you like? Uh, I'll let Dave go first. Well, uh, uh, I guess the question is, do you want Gibson scale or do you want Fender scale? 
and do you want 24 frets or do you want 22 frets? So, um, personally for me, I'm, I'm like a fender scale guy with, with a 22 fret neck. I, I mean, I don't play up that high. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, I mean, I, lo- I, I mean, I love both guitars. Don't get me wrong. It just really comes down to what, what are your needs? What, what do you want, you know, out of it? That's true. Um, for me, I got a Cali with a Floyd, um, and it was Relic, heavy Relic, or heavy aged, I should say. Um, and uh, I, you know, that's that's where I went. I didn't I didn't get a NoHo, but that's not to say I won't get one. They just have they haven't made a lefty yet. <laughs> so, um, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> we'll get you. Yeah, well, one day, one day. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say more guitars. Um, it, like Dave said, it depends on what you, what, what you play. You know, if you really want a 24 fret neck, then go with the NoHo. Um, let's see. Uh, Joel Eakins, can we ever see aluminum necks for warm from Warmoth? Not anytime soon. That's that, something that, that's just something we just don't, don't dabble in at all. Yeah, that was a Kramer thing. Yeah. Um, how did the Alder next fare? Uh, that was from John oh Sims. That must have been a long time ago. I don't. There hasn't hasn't been Alder next in the time that I worked there, so I I can't answer that one unfortunately. Mm. Seal Six operator says Warmoth will do just about anything if you call them. <laughs> well. We got our we got our web menu and we got our In and Out Burger menu, um, but we won't do anything. We we get we get uh, like some crazy go nuts requests sometimes that we just say yeah we can't we can't do that. But we, we do a lot of stuff a lot of stuff, but we can't do we can't do just a crazy one off. We we our our production is is too big to 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 allow for that right do you guys do gold flake paint yeah we have we have five different kinds of golds one of them is gold flake or or any kind of flake uh you know metal flake types of uh paint yeah we do i'm trying to remember I, i we do gold flake we do like a blue flake green flake purple flake we do some crazy flakes like one of them's called goblin flake and one of them's called inferno flake that are pretty pretty out there so yeah we do we do a handful of them that's cool yeah um, mark's gonna get off this show and he start building a new guitar uh, <laughs> i you know i'm actually i just listed on uh reverb if any lefties want to go get a great Made in Japan Wolfgang special. I just put that up on Reverb. I just don't need all these guitars, you know. I mean, I, I understand have, that I, 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 I have three Wolfgangs. I'm like, they're all the same, and I have a USA, so I might as well just get get rid of the Made in Japan. Although I do like the the flat top, like you do, Dave. It's a uh-huh. cool guitar, but can't can't live it. Can't do it all. Um, Danny Weiss has a cool question. Uh, would love to hear about the relationship. Oh, no, no. Um, 
Okay, no, I'm sorry. I thought that was a different question, but I'll I'll say it anyway. Sorry. Would love to hear the, about the relationship with Fender as it relates to the licensed headstock. Well, that is a very misunderstood part of our business. Uh, a lot of people think that it's like almost a franchise situation where we are paying Fender a, a licensing fee every month or something, and that's not it at all. Basically, uh, back in the beginning when Ken started the company in 1980, he, he was building replacement necks, and his goal at that time was not to duplicate Fender, what Fender was doing. He wanted to build a better neck. He wanted to build a superior neck with smarter, smarter construction methods and, and everything. But because he was building replacement necks, mainly for strats and tellies, he started using those headstock shapes. And he did that for, you know, between boogie bodies and then later Warmoth. People had been using those shapes for 20 years mm -hmm. by, by the mid-90s. But in the mid-90s, uh, Fender sued for trademark on those shapes. And so Warmoth and several other companies were in opposition to that. And the, um, and the suit went on for a couple of years and was finally settled when, Warm uh, when Fender was granted a trademark on those shapes, uh, namely the, the two Strat shapes, the Tele and the J and P base shapes. Fender was granted that trademark and uh, Warmoth and those other companies were granted a license to continue making replacement necks with those shapes. So that's, that's how the, the lawsuit was settled. And that's why Fender continues, or I mean, Warmoth is able to continue making those shapes and a couple other com uh, companies are too. Gotcha. Okay. That's an that, thanks for the history on that. Yeah. And thanks for the question. Um, the question I actually thought that was, and uh, even though that wasn't a, that was a really good question too. This question from Nick Miller. Uh, he said, "I've listened to a lot of these tone talk shows and have never heard how Mark and Dave met. Has it been addressed in a video somewhere? You know, I don't know. You, do you remember Dave? It's ever been? Yeah, I think we brought it up before. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Somewhere. I don't know which video. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one either. Go watch them all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Watch them all. Um, no, I'll, I'll recap real quickly. Uh, Dave and I met, because uh, like I said, it all goes back to Van Halen. Um, we, I was uh, working, as a, not working, but I was just having, having fun as a co-host on a, another show, which was Van Halen related. Um, and Dave came on as a guest. And we were talking about Dave's relation with, with Ed and working with him and stuff like that. And we talked a ton about Van Halen tone and all that stuff. Um, but then I left that show. Um, and then Dave and I started our own show together. So that's really how the, the history. That's the basics of it. Yep. Um, yep. So, but thanks for the question, though. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Quentin James wrote, I think Dave cleans Mark's pool. <laughs> uh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, Aaron, in your opinion, what is the oh, uh, more guitars that asked that? I was gonna get to it, buddy. Uh, you didn't have to pay us, <laughs> but but th I do appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Warmoth Warhead Headstock is one of my favorites, Patrick Kish said. 
Um, one of my favorites too. Yeah. Well, you've got one of them, right? Um, yeah, I, we, we like that headstock because we can do whatever we want with it. You know, we have to be very careful the things we do with, with, um, with the fender shapes because they're licensed to us and we want to make sure that we're, we're abiding by the terms of our license, but the original shapes, we can do whatever we want with and You know, Warhead is probably the, the most popular of those shapes. Now, in terms of neck, sh neck shape, you know, um, can people request different types of, um, you know, like, oh, I really prefer like the Wolfgang neck shape or I want, you know, uh, you know, I'm just curious. We can do custom headstock shapes. That's one of the things on the secret menu. There's a there's a charge for it, um, but we will not do trademarked head right, shapes. Right, of course. So, yeah. Yeah, somebody if somebody wants a Wolfgang head shape or uh, anything Ernie Ball that's got the four four and two configuration won't do those. Right. Uh, yeah, we won't do any of that kind of stuff. But if somebody has a drawing of some something that they want, we'll take a look at it and if it can be done, we'll often do it. A lot of the stuff we get can't even be done because people have this idea in mind of a, a design or shape, but they don't understand how that has to you know, attached yeah, to the pull, neck. Spring, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, yeah. But what about neck thickness? Uh, you know, someone has a particular neck thickness. Of uh, yeah, that we, that we don't usually do custom back shapes. Mm -hmm. We, we stick with the ones that are on our menu. And the reason why is because, you know, it's, it's so personal and the person doesn't get to play it or hold it before they take delivery of it. So, yeah, we, do, we don't do those typically. Right, right. Okay. Um, Green Mirrors 555 asks, is there a chart for four-bolt neck w with thickness spacing that I can match a body to? Any semi-standard sizing, tele-strat? I'm, I'm not, I don't know if I understand that question. Is there a chart, is there a chart for four-bolt neck thickness? spacing that he can match a body to I'm, yeah i'm not sure if i understand that either um, the dimension I think maybe, of the neck maybe the heel of the neck yeah if, he, if he's asking if he wants the the bolt configuration changed or the dimensions changed no we can't we can't do that okay we, like i said we stick with the we stick with the fender standard there are a few there are a few things that we don't like the like the seven eighths S and T style that we do have their own head uh, their own neck joint dimensions uh, a couple other things like that but for any of the replacement parts or I mean the lion's share of stuff we do has to stick with that that fender neck joint standard. Mm -hmm. Okay, a few people mentioned that they hear a popping sound. I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything either. No, nope, I don't. Let's sit quiet for a second. Nothing. I don't hear shit. Yeah. Dead silence. Uh, okay. Um, Patrick Kish, after the Hawaii fires, as of now, the, uh, the COA prices are through the roof. Oh, interesting. Is that true? 
Yeah, Koa is getting crazy expensive. Koa has gone up so much. Even Ken told me stories of um, how we used to buy Koa in in heaps for for dirt cheap back in the day, back in the eighties and nineties, and now it's it's getting harder to find any of the really cool flamed out stuff is crazy expensive if you can even find it mm. uh it was so cheap back in the day that he built his kids a bunk bed out of it they had they slept on a koa bunk bed <laughs> for years and by the time his kids were grown and left and he was left with this bunk bed the price of koa had gone up so much that he took the bunk bed apart and made necks out of it <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's great so yeah. some, somebody out there, some people out there have necks made out of koa that Ken Warmoth's kids slept on for a decade. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. That's funny. Um, yeah, koa, I actually just got a, a tailor uh, with koa sides and back. And it's just beautiful. So yeah. I'm, I'm sad to hear that the prices are going up, but I'm kind of glad I got in and I'm in on it early. Uh, early yeah. enough before um, Jim Becker what's up Jim he says good evening ladies and gents glad uh, are there any ladies here uh, if there are I, I say, <laughs> I, we got to give them an applause because <laughs> 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 uh, when I look at the stats it's like 99.9% male who are watching this show which is which is still great but it's it's funny I'd love to see some women um Good evening, ladies and gents. Gladly willing to pay if I can afford American craftsmen and products. Keep the money in the American system. Hey, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave's products are made, mostly made in the USA. You know, yeah. uh, the, all the guitars are. I know that. And most of the amps too. The amps. Exactly. Except, uh, oh, all the amps are exactly. All the amps, all the amps yeah. are. Yeah, all the amps are exactly. Except the, uh, I was just thinking because the runs have a PCB. Actually, all, all the products, all the products are made, made in, in the USA. In, yeah, well, assembled in the U.S. Yeah, from parts all over the world. Right. Yeah. Are you are you seeing any uh, issues with getting parts? Oh yeah. You are. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. so are we. There so are we. pretty much no electronic parts that, that you know, are, are made in the U.S. I mean, there's some, a few here and there, but uh, not for the most part. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, uh, are things up and running? Yes, sort of. Uh, but it just, there was a slowdown, a massive slowdown. So, um, we'll see how that progresses. For us, it's... it's um... I mean, we make every part of all of our products in-house, right down to the truss rods are made in-house. The thing that's affecting us is is supplies like sandpaper and masks and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Becoming very, very tough to get. Interesting. Um, by the way, I'm sorry if anybody's uh, experiencing popping noise. I don't hear it, Dave. We, we don't hear it, any of it. So uh, I'll go back and listen after the show's over and see if I hear it, but... I don't hear anything, so. Yeah, neither do I. Um, let's see, L. Scott Music. I wouldn't want to try to make a neck for one hundred and fifty-seven dollars. Exactly. I mean, where yeah. where can you find a great neck made for one hundred fifty-seven dollars? Even even though it's just a basic standard neck, but mm-hmm. still, you know, that's a great price. Um, yeah, Ryan Reeves. Warmoth make great stuff. I agree. 
And then, you know, but when you start adding in options, like I was talking about, bird, you know, if you really want like heavily, heavily flame maple or bird's eye maple, that stuff's going to cost you. You know, it starts because mm -hmm. it's pricey. Yep, that stuff is pricey. And, and you know, I, I, I get complaints occasionally where guys say, I went on to make a neck and all of a sudden it was $700. And I have to remind them, just like you did, you know, you, you picked the most expensive inlays and you put binding on it and you picked some crazy, you know, AAA flame maple. So, yeah, it adds up. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, I, think, I think the thing that Warmoth deals with, the, the thing that we have to think about is, you know, if you were to break down a really high-end guitar, like, say, a PRS, and you were going to say, this is how much that neck cost on the PRS was $700 or $1,000 for that neck. Mm -hmm. That's People will pay that um, for a completed guitar, but will people pay that for a part? That's the tricky part. And so a lot of times there are things that we can do, things that we could make. I mean, we are, you know, we can we can manufacture anything that anybody can do. I mean, our, our stuff is top notch, but a lot of the stuff we don't do because people won't pay that for a part. Right. Uh -huh. make, making parts is so different than making complete guitars. It's a whole different philosophy. The concerns that you have are totally different because like if you're making a, a guitar, you can pick a finite set of components. You can decide the bridge you want. You can decide the pickups you want. You can decide what specs and measurements you want. And once you have that design hammered out, then you're making it over and over again. You know, you're making a thousand of them. But when you're making parts, you have to bear in mind what people will pay for the part. They want it to be compatible with every piece of hardware out there. So your body has to be compatible with, you know, a hundred different bridge, bridges and, a, you know, and all the different pickups that are out there. And so you, you work and work to make this thing that's universally compatible. And by the time you're done, three of the manufacturers have changed their specs and didn't tell you, you know, it's, it's this constant struggle that's for ultimate compatibility. And and um, and so a lot of times customers want things and we have to tell them no. And 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 they have a hard time understanding how different it is making parts versus making a full guitar. That makes uh -huh. sense. Um, uh, James Maxwell. Hey, Dave, Art Ardbeg 10 Scotch. You're welcome. You ever hear that? Oh, I've had it. <laughs> <laughs> is it good? Uh, yeah, it's good. Um, yes, it is good. So here's here's one from Edwin Kane, Crane. As a big fan of Jakey Lee, afterthoughts on the amp? Question? Backslash? Maybe? At Dave? I don't... I'm not sure what you're asking. Afterthoughts? Uh... Well, we sold 150 of them <laughs> really fast at NAM, essentially. Um, so, uh, yeah, none of them have gone out the door yet, but they're starting to come across my bench now. So, I walked by that thing, that Jakey Lee, probably a dozen times at NAM, 
and I was too afraid to play it because I knew that I would want one really. really <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great sounding amp. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. So killer. Uh, question from Rick Hollis: uh, Do you guys feel neck pocket tightness is an issue? Um, I do. I, I, I guess my question is: Is he talking like as far as tone, or as far as keeping the neck on? Sometimes, if a neck pocket is too tight, it can be a problem because you're going to get cracking and and stuff. Going the other way, I mean, you don't want it to be too loose. It looks goofy. I don't. I don't know if he's if he's asking tone-wise, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, personally, from a tone perspective, I would want it to be as, as tight as possible like without it being too tight because, like you say, mm-hmm. you don't want cracking. But at least everything to be connected so you have a, mm-hmm. a continuous, you know, vibration, right? Yeah. There's a trick. I don't know if maybe this is old news to you guys. I was very skeptical of this when I heard about this trick, and then I tried it, and now I'm a believer. Is that you when you when you're building up your guitar, you put the neck on, and then you string it up, and then once the neck is under tension of strings, you release the bolts. You release the bolts a little bit, and this tension of the strings will pull the neck down and really seat it in that pocket. And like I said. I didn't believe it at first, but after I tried it, I I believe it now. I think it helps. Oh, really? So you just loosen the screws a little bit? Yeah, just like yeah. While well, it's at full tension, and then you just loosen it and it just pulls it in the in down into the pocket. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good advice. Cool. Yeah. Any other tips? Little tips that you you've learned over the years that are like that? Well, I have one neck neck screws. A lot of bodies, I find that the neck screws uh, don't easily slide in and out of the hole. So it's almost like you're threading through the body into the neck. And really what you want is that hole to just the screw to slide in and out freely. And then it just screws into the neck. That's another thing that's uh, a little pet peeve. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You want the the holes on the body, the, the... Screws should just drop right through with no bite at all. Yep. Because if it's biting into the body and then it tries to bite into the neck, you're never going to get them to pull together tight. You want the you want the body you want them to be floating freely through the body so that when it grabs the neck, it cinches the neck right into the body tight. Yep. Wow. That's Otherwise, cool. it won't pull the neck tight against the body properly. Right. Um. Okay, that was a great question, Rick. Uh, I, I asked this question, Jasmine, about nitro lacquered bodies at Warmoth. They do not do that. They do nitro bo- nitro necks. Um, so, uh, still going through the questions. I know, Dave, you got to head out, right? Pretty soon. Uh, yeah, I, I got a little bit more. Okay. Um, uh, Patrick Kish, I wish they had an oversized warhead for guitar. Hmm. Yeah, we can. That's something we can certainly think about at some point. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, scale is important thing on a guitar for the sound and feel for to me anyway. Jasmine Bellavan said, "Yeah, I mean, it, I think it changes a lot in terms of the feel of the guitar." Yeah. Um. 
Oh, the other thing, the other video that I was really impressed with that you guys did, um, and this reminded me from the comment from Seal Six Operator, was the neck thickness video where you. Oh were, right. Mm -hmm. I I really felt like the the thicker neck improved the tone. Yes, uh -huh. it it definitely it definitely was different. I I try I try not to make value judgments. Because one person's awesome is another person, you know, one person's wimpy is another person's normal. And the thick, the thick neck had kind of a, a rounder, more woody tone, but some, you know, somebody might not like that. But it absolutely changed the tone for sure. Yeah, it was my preference, the, the thicker neck, mm -hmm. at least for me. Yeah. Uh, and that, that going back to the person's question on the the Cali and the Noho, at least for me, I got the Cali with a vintage T-neck, which is basically a fatter neck. Um, uh, Joel Hervey, I'm here. Sorry, I will catch the replay. Don't worry, man. It's there forever. Or until YouTube decides to lose all my shit on here. <laughs> I I was thinking we have to really uh I have to back this up back up all our shows and somehow put it on a because I just had this like one night I just had this nightmare like YouTube went down and lost everything. Yeah, that would be horrible. We should we definitely should have a backup on how you do that. I have no idea. Well, you just have to download the shows and uh, oh, okay. you know, and then I have to have a storage place for it. But I have to start doing it because. Yeah, that's what we that's what we do at Warmoth. We have is everything we upload to YouTube. We have stored locally as well. Yeah, that makes that makes sense um, because I'm just scared that one day it's going to go down, or I saw somebody whose their channel was hacked and they couldn't get back into it, and then all their videos mm -hmm. were gone. I'm like, oh my god, what a nightmare! You know, that would that yeah, would, better do that soon. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's kind of scary. Yeah, I want. I definitely want to do that. Um, you know, I wanted to uh, thank uh, a guy who, if I can get this right, um, who's been making awesome. His name is Yurik Junior. Yurik, and you're, I know you're going to get to it eventually because what you've been doing on our videos is Yurik has been putting in the comment section uh, one comment, but. It outlines the entire show with timestamps. So he's done pretty much almost every show so far. Uh, with, Thank you. Yeah, with timestamps and, you know, basically giving the topic of what we're talking about at that time of the show. So I really want to thank you, Yurik uh, Jr., for, uh, for doing that, man. Because I, I tried to do that literally like the first two shows or maybe even the first show with Grover. And I realized I was like, "Oh my God, I, I can't do this again." Like I... <laughs> Rewatch this to figure it out. Right. I'm like, not only am I doing the show, but I have to rewatch the show and do all of that. I was just like, "Oh, I can't do it. I can't." So I just don't have the time. But I really appreciate you doing that, man. That's freaking awesome. If I can, if you can message me, if I can get you a Tone Talk T-shirt or, uh, you know a pedal or whatever, just message me and I'll, I'll hook you up. Okay. Um, so just wanted, sorry for the divergence there, but, uh, just wanted to thank the guy. Cause I, I, like almost every day I wake up and there's like a new, new post on a new show with all 
all of it listed with all the timestamps. I'm like, man, this guy's awesome. Um, so Stephen Douglas, he says, just put a Warmoth pick guard on my parts caster. Easy customizing and order on the website. Love how's it sh how it shows a mock-up computer graphic of what you're ordering. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I forgot you guys can do that kind of stuff too. You know, not just bodies and yeah. necks, but you know, pick guards and. Yep. Yeah, we sell we sell lots and lots of pick guards. Really. Yeah. That's 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 awesome. Um... <laughs> this is funny, Deja Deja Blue Goat goes rumor has it he's still making time stamps for the stamps for the jakey e. lee show <laughs> I, I don't even want to look what those time stamps say uh, dave goes down the tube <laughs> that would be a funny one to see let me dave see. spirals out of control <laughs> well actually here it is here jake it. calls mick mars a racist <laughs> oh my god that's hysterical they're right here oh god uh, uh i'm looking uh no so far they're pretty good um ozzy's gig shot shitty audition um bottle of dow winnie is almost done <laughs> you know where that at, at that point two yeah, that, that, that's basically spiraling out of control now right at the two hour mark that was two hours and four seconds uh bottle of the dow winnie was gone so yeah we know where that uh, oh, 213 was the piss story. <laughs> oh, this is great. Uh, oh, cigarette cigarette break. Mark taking questions. That was a fun time. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Oh, yeah, he's hanging out the window smoking the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I was all alone with like 400 people watching. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to say. Um so that's funny. Uh, let me see what other questions. Uh, how about what Ernie Ball did with Mahogany Center and Alder Sides? Poise for Duty says. Um, I guess he's talking about a body, and and we could we could do that. It's not part of our standard uh, menus, and I, actually, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if he if he called in, we might be willing to do that. Do a three piece body with a mahogany center and alder sides or maple sides or whatever. Hmm. I that's that's one I can't answer. I haven't I haven't been asked that before. Interesting. Or what about in, instead of a three piece body like sandwiched? Um, we can do it. We we have done it in the past for special runs, limited runs and stuff like that. We've done, we did a working man tribute that had a sandwich body. In fact, I guess I can, I can let the cat out of the bag here. 2020 is Warmoth's uh, 40th anniversary. We started in 80. So this is our 40th anniversary. And so we, we have a, a bunch of special projects that we're doing over the course of the year. In fact, next week we're going to release one of them. Uh, but the the real big one that we've been working on for over a year now is we are doing some fully built guitars, and uh, we're doing it's limited to 40 of them. We have two models. Uh, one is a trim model, and one is a hardtail model. So there'll be 20 of each that'll be available. And on that, we did some stuff with bodies 
on the hardtail, we did some stuff with bodies being uh, laminated together in an odd way. Yeah. And on the, the trim model, we did some stuff with bodies being laminated together this way in an odd way. So the, the, I don't have any pictures or anything I can show you, but those are due to be uh, made public towards the end of April. So we're very excited about that. That's cool. Wow, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's what's even yeah. more amazing is to think that 1980 was 40 years ago. I know, right? Oh man, that's fucking scary. I I would I would have bought some Ormuth products somewhere around 82ish, I think. Wow. Yeah, it's 3ish maybe. Somewhere in there. Wait, what'd you get? Yeah, it... Uh Mm, necks, bodies, a few things. Hmm. A few things. Yeah, like the early somewhere, somewhere between eighty-one and eighty-five, it would have been. So, wow. I, yeah, I, building guitars. I wasn't playing guitar back then, unfortunately. I wish I was. <laughs> I'd be a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have been playing guitar since back then, and I suck too. So, you know. Hey, you you were doing pretty good with those Van Halen riffs. Well, see, yeah, but see, those are like five second clips. You don't see the forty five minutes in between each one that it took to get that five uh, <laughs> five seconds of glory. <laughs> <laughs> the tough part about vidding yourself when you're playing, at least for me, is I just lock up. Like I literally can be playing it, practicing. I'm doing great. And then as soon as I press that fucking red button, sorry, I'm cursing. Um, as soon as I press that button, it's just like, oh my God, I can't do it. You know? Well, yeah. Like when you play, I play live a lot. And uh, when you're playing live, you're in the moment and it's all about the performance and the emotion and the what you're projecting out the crowd. And you don't even think about that stuff. But as soon as you start to record, like you said, you press that red button. It's a whole different ball game and every finger squeak and every, you know, everything matters. So, yeah. Uh, and some guys are really good at it. You watch YouTube and it's like some guys feel so comfortable recording a video. But for me, when I'm recording a video, I can't play. I can't play near as well as I can when I'm performing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, for some reason, there's just something about it. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, Modern Vintage sent us, sent us a super chat. Thank you. Um, what are all three of your opinion on Charvel USA and Jackson USA's these days? They seem to be very inconsistent with terrible QC for the past few years. Um, I'll give my first opinion. I have a Jackson USA custom shop soloist that is perfect. You know, it's it's Silver Sparkle, but it's a custom shop. It's just amazing QC. The neck is just amazing on it. So I don't have any issues with it. Um, but I have heard some inconsistencies from people. More so with the Charvel Guthrie Govan model than anything that I've heard. <clears throat> neck, neck issues with that. on the Mostly on the um, very figured neck. But other than that, not really. What about you, I, I don't really have an opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
I have no idea. I have no idea what what's been going on or not. I I don't. I own one Charvel. That's a a Jakey Lee model. <laughs> oh yeah. That's cool. uh, yeah. Something I traded for. Yeah. Well, that's cool. But probably will sell it. Hmm. What what? Not uh, because it's not a cool guitar. It's just like I don't need as many guitars as I have. Exactly. Which one did you get? The white one or the blue one? Yeah, it's the white one. It's the classic one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds great. Did, I mean, he, it's good guitar. did he sign it? Uh, not yet. That could happen. Yeah, well, that that'll definitely make it. Uh... Does that give you more money? Well, I, yeah, I was gonna say that'll get you more money. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Um, it, it's like I don't really find. I, I just like I because we make guitars now, so it's like uh, you know I have some of these other guitars. It's like looking at them, going, "Why do I have this even?" Well, well, that's the thing, you know. Like I, I love having a lot of guitars. I love having the choice, but at the end of the day, it's like, how many guitars do I need? Like, you know, I just got the Taylor the other night. My son even said to me, "He's like, how many is that? Twenty six." I was like, oh, let's. I go, okay, let's go in your room and look at those video games. How about that? And he, he shut up. Yeah. Real, he shut up real quick. But, <laughs> but but even still, I was like, but yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, right. So, yeah. Uh, does anybody know a good record for some country licks? Ethan Ricks. Dude, check out Brent Mason. Brent Mason, Brad Paisley. You know, yeah. there's there's so many awesome country players. Even mm -hmm. Keith Urban is great. Johnny Highland. Yeah. He'll rip it off. Yeah. Oh yeah, Johnny Highland, man. I seen him at uh, I saw him at Nam Summer Nam. He was over at the. What's that guy's booth? Um, He's a Kiesel. He's at the Kiesel booth when I saw him at Summer Nam a couple years ago. Oh, really? No, he was over at the Whitfield. Whitfield. I think he plays a Whitfield telly, maybe. Mm. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe Whitfield, yeah. Yeah. So I saw him over there. Um, but, yeah, he's a great player. Crazy. Yeah, he just did a pedal with uh, Robert Keeley. I forget the name of it. The Spot or something like that? Uh, Brian Landreth, uh, Tone Talk, ask about real clay dot markers, please. Uh, we, I don't know what we use. It's not real clay, but I, I don't think we're going to be switching from what we use anytime soon. I, 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 I'm not a clay dot expert, so I don't have a whole lot for you in that front. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a question. Um, both you guys, I just saw like this the history of you know kind of like the Strat and the Telly, and they were talking about the slab board, rosewood board, as opposed to different eras of the the rosewood board. Was it just based on the thickness when they're talking about like it was real thick the rosewood versus a veneer? Is that where they were talking about? It's it's how the it's how the fretboard joins the the neck shaft. So if it's a veneer and you look at it from the end, from the heel end, a veneer will follow the curve, will be curved like that, where if it's a slab, it's it's flat. So the so the fretboard itself is kind of in a half moon shape. Oh, I and see. it's flat on the bottom. Mm -hmm. But if 
that that's a slab but if it's a veneer then it's a uniform thickness all the way across so it's arched if that makes it makes sense. total sense yeah 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 sure interesting uh l scott music says tone talk the fix for the red button problem is abr always be recording <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that's true. That's true. A yeah. lot of people do that, um, and that's yeah, true. You, you do get used to it. That's true. Uh, and I do find All right, now. Now, Mark, I do have to go. I think. Oh yeah, you got to run. Sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think we've. I, I literally just scrolled down to the last question, so. Uh, I think you know we've covered. Sorry, to cut it off, people. <laughs> no, no, we've we've covered a lot. Um, so, Aaron, are, are there any places that you would like to uh, tell people where to reach out? You know, obviously, warmoth.com, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can check us out at warmoth.com, uh, the Warmoth YouTube channel. I am the. If you want to, if you if you have general questions, go to warmoth.com or give our customer service reps a call. You want to reach me directly? Uh, probably the easiest way is to comment on on our YouTube channel because I'm the guy that reads those comments and I read every single one. Even if I don't respond, I'm reading every single one. So that's probably the easiest way to reach me. Wow, you're really glutton for punishment, aren't you? You know what? I I take <laughs> such horrible abuse on YouTube already. I'm I'm calloused. I'm I'm ready for anything on YouTube. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, the guys definitely check out Warmoth. Uh, check out the channel. Uh, they do really great, you know, like I said, really good tone comparisons of woods and different different things. It's really cool. Um, our check out Sweetwater.com, our sponsor, please. Um, and uh, also subscribe to the channel and hit the thumbs up if you can. Uh, our next guest is on March 20th is Trev Wilkinson from Wilkinson Bridges and Parts. Um, so we're looking to having Trev on the show. And uh, and that's it. So everybody have a great weekend. Aaron, it's awesome to have you on the show. Really appreciate it. Great discussion. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend, everybody. And sorry for the popping noises. I'll try to troubleshoot that. If, if I can hear it. So thanks everybody. All righty. Hang on. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I All say right.